turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew, the 27th chapter. Matthew chapter 27. We'll read verses 1 and 2 and then begin with verse 11. May we pray together. Our Father, we thank Thee for what we have experienced in this place today, for the Word of God in song, in testimonies, in announcements, and the way our hearts have been moved in the singing and the praising of Jesus. We pray that the Spirit of God will do His office work of conviction and draw us into a walk with Christ. May someone who has never been saved have his heart convicted, drawn to Jesus. In Christ's name we pray, amen. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Verse 11. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had taken a nobler prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was seated on the judgment seat, his wife said unto him, Have thou nothing to do with that righteous man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Which of the two will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this righteous person. See to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers 
And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spat upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put on his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. Janice sang, Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall, friendless, forsaken, betrayed by all. Hearken what meaneth the sudden call. What will you do with Jesus? Jesus is standing on trial still. You can be false to him if you will. You can be faithful or good or ill. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking, what will he do with me? I'm unworthy to bring this message to you today. The chiefest of sinners, an unworthy servant. But I would ask you to come with me this morning across the years to the most ignoble trial ever assembled in history. Stand with me if you can, if you dare, if you will, in the marble halls of Pilate, his judgment seat, and behold the scene. A mob of Jews have been up all night. The nation, Israel, had its religious leaders, and in a mock trading trial, they've been up mocking Jesus, mocking justice. They've pronounced the death sentence upon the man named Jesus. They said he blasphemed, saying he was the son of God. The heads of the Jewish nation, I want you to look at it, leading their long expected Messiah before a Gentile magistrate. Delivering the king of the Jews, the one promised by Moses, the one promised by Isaiah, the one promised by Micah, the one promised by Malachi, the one promised by God, leading their Messiah before a Roman procurator asking for a death sentence. But the amazing thing, when they come before Pilate, they change their accusation. In the Sanhedrin trial in the night, They'd accused Jesus of blasphemy. He said he's the son of God. He said he has power to forgive sins. But when they come before Pilate, they change that to three accusations, hiring some false witnesses. They said he perverted the nation. He forbade to give tribute to Caesar. He claimed he was a king. They asked Pilate to crucify him. I want you to notice this morning there were actually three trials. There are three trials that we have to deal with. Would you listen and pray carefully as we briefly talk about these three trials? First of all, the ecclesiastical trial. There's a fine line between spiritual commitment, spiritual convictions, spirit-controlled attitudes towards sin and standards that need to be held high and 
a religious system devoid of love, unforgiving in spirit, hypocritical in attitude. Standards, yes. High ideals, yes. Holding high the law of God as that by which we shall be measured, yes. But law with no love. We need to remember the words of Catherine Hankey in that great song, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. With earnest tones and grave, remember I'm a sinner whom Jesus came to save. Tell me the story always if you would really be in any time of trouble a comforter to me. Well, these ecclesiastical religious leaders forgot they were sinners. They forgot they needed saving. And though they handled the word of God, they were vain and self-willed, forgot that they were the ones that God cared about, that God was long-suffering toward. They forgot they represented the God who said, he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so forth God removed our transgressions from us. They forgot all that. And I want you to notice some of these men at that ecclesiastical trial. First of all was Annas. Annas was 70 years old. He was the father of five high priests. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the present high priest. He was the head of the ecclesiastical officers and officialdom of his day. He was from Alexandria, Egypt. He was a Sadducee, which meant he did not believe in the resurrection. He did not believe in the verbal inspiration of the scriptures. He was haughty, cold, worldly, unpopular, but he was feared among the Jews. And Jesus went before Annas first. And because Annas had no religious authority to deal with this, he immediately presented Jesus to Caiaphas, who was the religious high priest who stood in the place of Aaron. And before Caiaphas, Jesus was placed on trial. And this cold, hard-hearted, religious, smug man began to ask Jesus about his doctrine. Instead of presenting witnesses against Jesus, they began to ask him to witness against himself. And the Lord, with all the power and authority of heaven, began to say to them, you've heard me in public. I've said nothing in private. Everything I've said is before the people. If I have said something amiss, you judge me. The Sanhedrin were called together. There were 70 members of the Sanhedrin, but this was during the night hours, about midnight to three or four o'clock in the morning. They could not get all 70, perhaps 50 came. Noticeably absent were Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, probably not notified of this ignoble trial. And so the 50 members of the Sanhedrin sat around. It was sort of a semicircle with an open openness with just pillars on the outside so that folks out there could see. And this, this shows us why Peter was able to look 
And later the eyes of Jesus and the eyes of Peter could meet. And Caiaphas sat sort of on a throne and the Sanhedrin members sat in that semicircle and they hired witnesses to witness against Jesus and already they had decided he should be killed. Now there was another person that we need to deal with in that trial. Not only Annas and Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin, but Simon Peter himself. No, he was not one of the officials, but he was one whose support Jesus needed in that hour of trial. Did you ever think, young people, do you ever think older folks, do you ever think junior boys and girls that Jesus needs you? We speak of needing Jesus. Just when I need him most, he's there. I need Jesus every hour, every day, moment by moment. But there are times when the Lord needs you and me. And in that hour of trial, Jesus needed, humanly speaking, the support that Simon Peter could have given him. But Peter followed Jesus afar off. And he was out warming his hands at the fire of Satan. Those who were accusing and jesting and in ugly words speaking against the Messiah, against the Lord of glory. Our old nature, we think it's dead. When we come to Christ, we assume that we've been forgiven, we've been cleansed. And of course we have, we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. But that old nature still has to be reckoned with. It is hard to kill. We seem to have killed it. We seem to have buried the old nature. But do you not sometimes hear it knocking beneath the ground? Do you not feel sometimes that old sin nature that we thought was dead turning in its coffin and see the earth moving under its grave? This is the penalty of sin. To his dying day, the man or woman who lives in this fleshly clay must always sit on the grave where he has buried the old nature, the old sin, that old nature, that old man, and keep watch over it in the graveyard lest it come back to haunt him and disturb him and destroy him. So Peter let up. He did not identify himself with Jesus. He followed Jesus afar off. He failed. He denied, not once, not twice, but three times. And then there was the crowing of the cock, the alarm. And this was the difference in Simon Peter and Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot had betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. He also had denied the Lord. And he had lined up with the enemies and he betrayed Jesus with a kiss in the garden of Gethsemane. But Judas had no real repentance in his heart. And when it became evident that Jesus would die, he took his 30 pieces of silver back and threw them down at the temple. And the men said, what is that to us? And, si and the Bible says that Judas went out and hanged himself. <clears throat> A man who has never been saved. A man who does not know Christ as personal savior. Even though he may pretend to be. He may be deceived into thinking he is. He may sing the songs of Zion. He may be part of a church. 
But if he's not really God's child, when the turmoil comes and the trouble comes and the disaster comes and the tragedy comes and he fails, he has no place to turn. And so Judas Iscariot is an example of all of those. But what about Peter? He failed, just like we fail. Have you ever failed Jesus? Has there ever come into your life a sense of overwhelming failure and defeat? And you've sensed that Jesus was counting on you and you did not stand in the time of testing? That was an example of Peter. And Simon Peter, when the alarm went off, when he came to himself, when he realized what was happening, the Bible says Peter went out and wept bitterly. And the subsequent stories of the gospel tell us that Peter came back to Jesus and became the rock and later suffered great calamity. And eventually, the tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be to die the same death my Lord died. Now, I want us to look at the civil trial for just a moment. This was the second trial. The first trial was the ecclesiastical trial, the religious trial. But the religious leaders had no power to give Jesus the death sentence. They pronounced it, but they could not carry it out. And so they had to take Jesus before the civil authorities. They lead what they thought was the divine culprit away to the Roman officials. See them, the leaders of the Jewish nation, long expecting their Messiah, leading him away to the Roman government. And first they went to Pilate. Now Pilate was a native of Seville, Spain, violent, cruel governor, known to be obstinate, reckless, open to bribes, insolent, sarcastic, cynical, and yet weak in courage. He was relentlessly against the Jews, yet he feared them lest they should report him to Rome. And so they took Jesus to Pilate. And the place they took him was the ancient palace of the Jewish kings. The same spot where David had built a palace. The same spot where Josiah had ruled and the other great kings of Israel and Judah. Pilate asked for an accusation. They said he perverts the nation. He forbids paying tribute. He sets himself up as a king. None of these were the, what was used at the Sanhedrin trial. Pilate took Jesus aside for a personal conference. He said, are you a king? Who are you? What have you done? Why have they delivered you? And Jesus did not answer. And then he said, are you a king? And Jesus said, thou sayest, do you say this of yourself? Or has another told you this? Pilate said, I'm a Jew. Am I, am I a Jew? How would I know? And sarcastically looked down his nose at the Lord. The Jews continued to howl and howl. They said, we want him crucified. We want him crucified. Well, Pilate learned that Herod was in town. And in order to pass the buck, he sent Jesus to Herod. Now Herod had long wanted to see Jesus because he'd heard about the miracles. 
And when Jesus came before Herod, Herod thought to make sport of Jesus. And he thought, well, he'll do some strange miracle and I can see this happen like some kind of piece of magic. But the Lord never displayed his power for men to mock. He never used his power for personal privilege. And while Herod made sport, made sport, he sent him back to Pilate. Now Pilate declares Jesus innocent. I find no fault in this man. Why do you want him crucified? What has he done? And the Roman procurator, representing the finest in officialdom in the secular world, said there's nothing worthy of death in Jesus. But they cried out the more, let him be crucified, let him be crucified. They said he says he's a king, and if, if he's a king and you support him, you're no friend of Caesar's. And Pilate was scared. And thus he delivered Jesus to be crucified. He took some water and washed his hands. And he said, you crucified. I find no fault in him. This represents a long line and succession of people who have through the years said, I'll just ignore Jesus. I don't have to deny him. I don't have to reject him. I don't have to receive him. I'll just ignore him. But nobody can ignore Jesus. There's no neutral ground at the cross. There were three crosses. One was the cross of rejection. The other was the cross of reception. And the middle was the cross of redemption. And every man, woman, boy, or girl who comes to the foot of the hill of Calvary must identify in one of those places. He either rejects Jesus and Pilate, even with the washing of his hands, and Herod with the making of sport, and the Jews who said, let his blood be upon us and our children, all of them lined up with the rejectors. And with that thief on the cross who said, if you're really the Christ, come down and save yourself and us. And there's some within the sound of my voice today who do that. They think to be neutral. You think to be neutral. You think, I don't have to have my life changed. I don't have to have the light of Christ's glory shone, shining in my life. I don't have to deal with this thing. I don't have to deal with my sins. I don't have to deal with what I'm going to do with Christ. I'll just ignore it for today. And I'll go on the way I've been going. And I submit to you, the way you've been going is a way that leads down to destruction. For there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. You line up with the rejectors, and you suffer the same consequences that all the rejectors have, cons have suffered through the years, going out into wasted years and wasted life and wasted eternity separated from God forever. Now there's a third trial scene has changed, faded and gone are the unjust judges, the mob, jury has disappeared, the defendant remains, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, the king of the Jews. He's right here this morning. He's in this room. You're there. Christ is on trial. 
And you must change places with Caiaphas and Annas and Pilate and Herod. And you've got to make a decision. Jesus is standing in Pilate's Hall. Jesus is standing at Glendale Baptist Church. Jesus is standing where you stand this morning, you who listen by radio. The Lord Jesus is right there waiting, waiting. What will you do with Jesus? When Jesus came to Golgotha, they hanged him on a tree. They drove great nails through hands and feet and made a calvary. They crowned him with a crown of thorns. Red were his wounds and deep, for those were crude and cruel days and human flesh was cheap. When Jesus came to Bowling Green, they wouldn't, they just passed down the street. They wouldn't hurt a hair of him. They just left him by himself to die. They ignored him. And Jesus crouched against a wall and cries for Calvary. We cannot be neutral in his presence. Every one of you, as a junior boy or girl, have to decide what you're going to do with Jesus Christ. You're going to receive him and love him and serve him, or you're going to reject him and turn away from him and go away with the crowd. Every man, woman, boy, and girl within the sound of my voice has to decide today, what will you do with Jesus? What are you going to do with him? The Bible says that he came unto his own, and his own received him not. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Would you believe today? Put your trust and faith in him and invite him to come into your heart to be your Savior and your Lord. Would you do it? Let's bow together in prayer, please. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, Jesus is speaking to your heart. What will you do with him today? Receive him, reject him. Crown him or crucify him. Would you let Jesus Christ become real to you now? Some in this place and who hear us have already received Christ. Are there areas in life that need to be recommitted to him? That need to be brought under his scrutiny? That need to be made right before God? Would you do that now in the light of the glory of Jesus Christ who is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world? And if you have never come to Christ and received him as your personal Savior and Lord, would you do that today? Our Father, help someone somewhere today to trust Christ. And we pray that in this room there will be someone who will walk down this aisle Take a stand for Jesus today, we pray in his name. Amen. Would you turn please to page 125. 125, Jesus paid it all. May we stand please. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. No matter what your sin is today, no matter what your shame the blood of Calvary, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, will cleanse you from all sin. Would you open your heart to him now? God help you to do that.
Some in this room need to come and take a new stand for Christ, a renewed covenant vow with the Lord. Would you do that? As the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, will you let Him have His way? Just come with your brokenness, with your hurt, with your sin, and receive Him as your Savior and Lord. There's some who ought to come and move your letter to this church. Become part of this fellowship. God wants you. He needs you here. Just as Jesus needed Peter at the trial, the Lord needs you. He has a special accomplishment for you, a mission for you to perform, and He may want you to be part of this fellowship. Would you do what God tells you to do? And if you've been saved but have never confessed Him in baptism, you've never taken that open stand for Jesus, would you come today? While we begin to sing, Jesus paid it all. Will you come right now? God help you to do it.